0: hello hello welcome back to the stickman sessions uh, it's been a while since we've done a podcast but um, we've got a really special guest on the show this week i've had an awesome time chatting with him um it's jeremy Gladstone who runs sleeping bag studios um, they're based over in canada they offer music reviews interviews all kinds of things related to artists and vans who are trying to reach a wider audience basically same sort of thing that we do at, at stereo stickman um it's been awesome chatting with him we've Got into a lot of different subjects, um, and I really hope you guys enjoy it. We're also going to be playing some of his songs throughout the session um, from his band and some of the stuff that he's done by himself as a musician. So I hope you enjoy it, and uh, thanks for tuning in. So how how long have you how long have you been doing st- Sleep Mag Studios for then? When did you like when did that begin?
1: Basically uh, basically started in 2012. And, um, it was really just kind of a means to an end. I was putting towels in a dryer one day, literally putting towels in a dryer and, uh, I just kind of snapped, you know, it was, uh, it was one of those moments of, of real levity where I kind of realized that I wasn't doing anything productive. I wasn't creating anything. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't adding to the world, you know, in any kind of meaningful way. So for me, it was really important to figure that out, and so I basically just kind of quit right then and there. I stopped uh the job that I had. I was a production supervisor and looking after all kinds of different people doing normal corporate stuff and uh it you know it it wasn't uh difficult; it was just not the life that I wanted at all, yeah, it wasn't so,
0: fulfilling here.
1: yeah exactly right so. Um, in the place that I was living at the time, there was this odd kind of rectangle, uh, space that you could see in, in the, uh, in the wall in between where I, like kind of my office and, uh, where the garage was, it was just a rectangle and you could kind of see it bubbling out from the wall just a little bit. So basically we, we took a sledgehammer to it and we put a window in there. And then we put sleeping bags all over the walls. And we just decided that that was going to be the best possible way to start something. And we didn't even know what it Ah. was, but uh, we just kind of let it blossom organically from there.
0: That's amazing. So that's, I was going to ask, how did it come to be called that? But it was literally a sleeping bag studio.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, part of it is... um, I got a lot of inspiration, obviously, from different musicians and bands and artists out there, of course. But uh, yeah. Dave Grohl, obviously, uh, Foo Fighters, won his Grammy for Wasting Light, that album, and it was recorded in their garage. Yeah. I, I mean, how inspiring is that? The-, that? the ultimate message of that whole thing being just go out there and do it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, regardless of the results. So, um you know, some of our first recordings, you can hear on like wet days, you can hear like cars driving by on the street outside because they're the tires on the rain kind of thing. So it became kind of this weird, neat little addition that happens. Uh, You know, a lot of people say there's different um, qualities or or things about a studio that that kind of give a studio its own thing. And, uh, you know, it's moved now. I moved all the way across Canada, but back in in the bc days that's kind of <laughs> i guess where it started yeah
0: that's awesome so yeah did you say 2012 yeah 2012
1: <laughs> very end of 2012 so okay
0: and were you i mean a, a, are you a musician yourself anyway were you involved in it that way
1: technically yeah i mean there's a i guess there's kind of two ways to look at it um you know i'm the son of a musician so uh he my dad plays in Uh, Canadian bands, Prism and uh, Doug and the Slugs are two that people might know. Uh, They're still Canadian, so it's a long way over there, but um, they're both kind of 80s bands that had mid-level fame, so I kind of came by it honestly that way. I've uh, played different instruments my entire life, from guitar to drums to bass to electronics and everything in between. Um, Most of the time now in my music, I just, uh, I'm I'm a singer, believe it or not, with this voice. Awesome. Somehow. Yeah. Is that,
0: are you, are you in a band or just, just you doing your own thing?
1: Yeah, no, it's technically a two-man band. Um, we've been together for about the last, uh, oh man, probably about 18 years now, actually. Somewhere around there, yeah. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, uh, I mean, you've got full editing control over this, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah.
1: Okay, well, I mean, I'll let you know the name. I, I don't want to just say the band because you know that that obviously sounds pretty lame. But you know, depending on uh, on your uh, you know listeners and whatnot, yeah, the band's name is is balls deep in your stepmom. So I, <laughs> I mean, there's you, you know, that's quite, uh, like I said, uh, <laughs> eighteen years ago is when it started, right? But yeah, you you could you could decide whether or not to put that out there for the people. That but that's the truth. Yeah the idea was never really to take it seriously uh, at the time that 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 band started believe it or not uh it was actually my best friend at the time his name is rob um and, and basically what he did was he just asked me do you want to start a band with no knowledge no instruments no no how no clue on how to do it whatsoever do you just want to make a band that was the simple question and the simple nice. idea and so we said, yeah, let's, sure, let's do it. And I, I'm not even kidding, Rebecca. Overnight, I went to work for a graveyard shift at a gas station. Horrible job. But I went to work, and by the time I came home that morning, he had taken all of our friends over to construct this box, this, this huge box inside the master bedroom where you had to pick up this door. It wasn't even on hinges. You had to pick it up and slam it into this box into the hole to, to seal it shut. But inside there was where we did our first jamming, which was insane. You know, it got to be about 300 degrees within about three minutes. It <laughs> wasn't a good place to be. It wasn't fun.
2: That was quite
0: a cool starting point, <laughs> but, though. Are, are, yeah. what, what kind of music do you make? Are you guys like a rock band? Or?
1: Uh, no, I mean... <sighs> We're actually surprisingly inoffensive, believe it or not, you know, for the, for, for the band name being what it is. It was always just kind of a running joke. But, um, it, you know, at the end of the day, I'd say it's mostly electro-based now. Um, I let him handle all the hard stuff, the, the making of the music and right. the assembling of the pieces and the chords and all that. That's him. I, I just do the easy thing. I, I show up to the microphone and I just get very lucky.
0: Nice. So do you guys, (laughs) do you play
1: gigs? Uh, No, we've actually never once played live. And here's an interesting and fun fact for you. We've probably recorded somewhere around the neighborhood of, I would say, uh, legitimately about 600 songs. Not even kidding. And I can guarantee you that we couldn't play one of them once again. Not once. I bug musicians all the time because they always have to remember their material, which I think is hilarious. I tell them I don't. I don't play to remember. I play to forget. It's a totally different different thing. So that's quite we interesting. Create a song. We, we record it and then we move on. So it's like a
0: therapeutic get it, get it off your chest kind of thing and then...
1: I, yeah, I guess it's kind of always been that, you know. it's uh, There's never like been it. like a defined topic or write about this or write about that. Mm-hmm. I don't ask him to sound any certain way when it comes to the music. I don't ask him to be electro if he wants to pick up guitars if he wants to do real instruments again if he's willing to do the work and send me an instrumental track to sing to I'm quite willing to wait for it you know however it might show up it's cool with me nice
0: so when did you start writing music reviews then or, or yeah that kind of thing was that pretty much as soon as you opened the studio or was it a different kind of thing no
1: uh, actually, I did uh, music reviews quite a bit earlier before Sleeping Bag Studios. So when we were originally trying to, to get people into the studio, when it was more of a physical thing, because now I'm much more online. Yeah. Uh, but when it was more of a physical thing, we were trying to figure out how to draw people in there. And then that's kind of where I came in. I, um, I used to write for an online magazine called Cludge Magazine and they're no longer around anymore, but they used to handle mainstream acts um, and given that they were in the U.S. and I was in Canada, um, I kind of had the ability to go and see a lot of artists and bands that they didn't know about or, uh, you know, just generally Canadian bands that they didn't get to to interview or get to see down south. So I ended up, um, my first interview was with uh, Tegan from Tegan and Sarah. You probably know them wow, or heard that yeah. name somewhere around. Yeah, believe it or not, that was my first interview. Uh, and no instructions, no, uh, no, this is how you do an interview, no anything. So, if well, you can mean, believe it or not, um, you remember the old tape recorders? Yeah, I don't know if you're. Like a dictaphone. Okay, so, yeah. Ta- yeah. So, I mean, I'm talking old school cell phone. Uh, Flip phone. So I've got the recorder up here. I'm holding it like that as best I can trying to hear what she's got to say in response to the questions that I've got. I ended up talking to her for three hours. Wow. Three hours. And, you know, it's one thing to... Um, to not know what you're doing and kind of be put in that position to begin with, but it's an entirely different thing when you encounter an artist that's willing to give you their time like that. Yeah, you know, she. I'm sure she picked up on the fact that I was new. And keep in keep in mind, this is 18 years ago. She was new too. Mm. You know, it wasn't was gonna exactly say, so like it she, was just me. Yeah, yeah. So not they, as, not they were as right at the beginning. Not she, nearly as big. Yeah, for sure. That's cool. So. Yeah, that's kind of where it started for me. Um, uh, There's different other bands and stuff, uh, like Our Lady Peace or Finger Eleven or Seether or Chevelle. Different bands, usually rock bands, because, um, well, that's where I was from, was from Vancouver, B.C. Yeah. Or just outside of Vancouver, B.C., but really that's that's what Vancouver is all about. They're about the rock, so that's generally what I saw a lot of at that time. But that's kind of how I got started, was kind of... uh, you know big shout out to the cludge crew if they're out there anywhere and still listening yeah uh, they, they were just amazing people and it was great to kind of get a start with them
0: that's awesome I think it's nice when you yeah. have something that long because you, you can't if someone's been a little bit you know holding back or perhaps being a bit inauthentic if it's a, a three hour long discussion you're bound to turn into yourself at some point absolutely I think. yeah I'm quite no, for
1: there. sure I, it's, I I think about it now and I'm just, you know, it blows my mind that she she would do that, you know? Yeah. like I just think, you know, what a cool person she must be. Keep in mind, they wouldn't give me time of day now. There's no way. <laughs> I could reach out through Sleeping Bag Studios and I'd have to go through about a hundred lines of defense just to get to Tegan and Sarah now. Um, but are they still those same people? I bet they are. I bet she would you know? say
0: yes if you if you yeah. could make it, yeah, to that
1: point. Absolutely, right.
0: In terms of like what what you do online at the minute, for anyone that doesn't know, um, so you run Sleeping Bag Studios dot CA. Is that that's the one, isn't it?
1: That's the one. Yeah, you um, got
0: it. And you offer music reviews, interviews. I think you do your own podcast. Do you, what, what what are the main like services that you do then for for people? Uh, the
1: main things I do, uh, you know. Uh, i do music reviews i i do uh what i call the sbs podcast super inventive name um and another show that we put on the internet called sbs live this week and um again most of these things were kind of developed i would say just kind of out of um out of finding our way you know so when i say that the studio opened for for sleeping bag studios in 2012 really that's kind of when sbs live this week first started up as well um because i mean you could go back to the construction of the studio and that's going to go back into february earlier that year but you know by the time that we opened we had no idea what we were doing like less than zero idea what we were doing so it ended up being like kind of a mad scramble now that we've got this great studio for us we've got all of the toys that we need, all of the cords to set it up, how do we get the people in here? Mm. And one of the ways that we did that was through a show called SBS Live this week, which was really just kind of uh, originally intended to bring people into the studio just to see what we were about and uh, just to, to, again, hopefully show them that really ultimately the studio had its own personality and could kind of give them a place that was designed by musicians for musicians to go in there and just kind of really maybe get something entirely different out of themselves and out of their music and you know I don't know whether or not I can claim that that happened. I would like to think that I could claim that 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 happened, but it's you know it's one of those things. Everybody's going to have their own different perspective on it. Some, sure. some of those uh, interviews that we did went went great. You know, we did a lot of interviews and live performances, um, and you know, obviously some better than others. That's just part and parcel. That's the way things go, right? Yeah, of
0: course. So you still are you still doing that regularly?
1: More or less, I you know again with kind of the shift into more of an online thing, which is really the result of uh, just moving across Canada and kind of resetting up over here in the east. Mm-hmm. But um, I what I do now is is a lot of uh, video interviews, which is kind of a neat. Concept and I started this uh, back when I was doing interviews in person as well, so it didn't, you know, it wasn't something that I felt like I had to do or was the only option to do it. It was something that I felt offered something new, it, and in a way, it's similar to, um, it's similar to an email interview in a way because yeah. I I pre-tape the questions, you know, so I, that that's how it would go. I would send you a question set. Uh, Rebecca and it and it would have you know questions one through 25 or whatever but what I encourage people to do is first of all think about the the viewer you know think about things from from a visual standpoint and try and encourage bands to obviously show us more than they're gonna tell us and by them having the questions for as long as they do which is you know I have no expiry date on them they can work on it as long as they want uh, but it gives them that option to kind of really attack it from a creative level. So mm. they're able to take the time and, you know, they can go and film in different places. And some of these things have ended up so incredibly unique and the the experience itself is so massively rewarding that uh, some of the best friends that I've, that I think I can, I, I can definitively say that I've met through the, the Sleeping Bag Studios project in general have come from these video interviews where uh, artists have really just kind of had a, a chance to open up in a whole different way, That's if awesome. that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: definitely. I like that.
1: Because, I mean, I've had guys that uh, I basically tell people that there's no wrong answer, right? Mm. And I'm sure, you know, as an as an interviewer, you understand this. Every uh, Every question is an opportunity. Yeah. And, you know... Are we here to talk about what you want to talk about or are we here to talk about what I want to talk about, right? And and it's one of those things, uh, you know, I'm here to talk about whatever you want to talk about today. That, that's, that's the facts. But when I'm talking to a band, I tell them the exact opposite. I'm not here to talk about what I want to talk about. I'm here to talk about what they want to talk about. Yeah. So their job is to really find a way to direct me back to that point, whatever it is that they want to bring up. Yeah. And, and you have that ability in an interview if you steer it the right way.
0: You know? Yeah, yeah, I like that. I always tend to go overboard with the questions, and then if they're if they don't want to answer any, they don't have to. But if they do want to, yeah. and it's the deep stuff, then that's when it gets quite interesting. I think.
1: Right, I I love it when people. You know, I I tell them again, right? Like, there's if you don't, because I I do. I get those those people as well where they they'll say, you know, I don't want to answer this question, or you know, I don't want to go into that, or whatever. That that's fine i have no problem with that yeah but why not take the opportunity itself and do something fun with it so that's why i encourage people like in a situation where i say i don't know i ask them something generic like uh you know what uh what have you got planned for the rest of this year or something like that and instead they look directly at the camera and Tell me that they like ketchup or something completely <laughs> off base, or you know, it doesn't have to be an answer to the question. Again, it's still an opportunity. It's just about how you use it as a band creatively.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, cool. It's so fun. no, it's yeah. No, I'm glad that it's nice to um to get your insight and expertise on that kind of thing. Actually,
1: ah, yeah, gives me a chance to just kind of. I don't know. I I don't think people really see it coming for the most part. I don't know. I've had some really kind of great, genuine reactions out of that project where it's like, um, I don't know, people tend to kind of view me as a fairly serious person from the writing, I think. So when they see me kind of just clowning around a little bit on screen, I'm just having fun with it because I I think that kind of encourages people to do the same, right?
0: Yeah, puts you at ease yeah for sure okay cool so if we can we talk a little bit about writing music reviews as such because i think you have a similar approach to me in that you look at it quite objectively like regardless of genre you you kind of assess what works about it um so what what do you think makes a really great song regardless of genre or style of music just just a a well-written you know really good song that connects kind of thing
1: right um that's a fair question for sure i think for me, what makes a song connect is that you have to be able to hear that the artist or the band themselves connected with the song, and by that I mean, it, you know, it doesn't have to have words, but if it does, I like to hear that the singer found the meaning behind the words, you know, and, and they can translate that emotion through that. Usually, they're doing that in some sort of a relationship with the the music itself, some sort of. Um, paired energy with the melody and the music and the way that the vocals sound. If it's just an instrumental band, you need to be able to hear the passion in those instruments. You need to be able to hear that those notes mean something and that they're contributing to the song in some sort of valid and meaningful way. Um, There's all kinds of different ways that people would define what, what makes a great song. And, you know, I'm just as guilty as anybody else is, uh, of having my own guilty pleasures or songs that I wouldn't consider to be great songs or songs that are supposed to be in the Hall of Fame kind of thing. So in a lot of ways, a, what makes a great song is really just what resonates with us personally. Yeah. Um, and I don't really think there's ever... You know, there's no, there, there's no wrong answer to that question. No, Rebecca. no. At, at the end of the day, it's, it's one of those <laughs> things I support... Um, I support people listening to music. So I've always said whatever it is that, that floats their boat is absolutely cool with me. It might not be my favorite thing, but at the end of the day, if it's something that gets them listening to music, I'm in. Yeah, know? that's nice. awesome.
0: Um, So what do you think it means to have a successful career in music these days um, for bands and artists?
1: I think it really has to be defined by their own... Uh, by their, you know, I don't want it to sound like a cop out, but it has to be defined by their own uh, definition of what that success is. I think if they're, you know, if you're a band and you're you're out there and you're looking for a hundred thousand hits overnight, or if you're looking to um, become a viral sensation within a week, kind of thing, then enjoy your fleeting fame. Mm. That's the best way that I can put it, and probably the nicest way that I can put it. Um, if you're an artist that wants to keep their head down and, and do the work and get right into the art of it all, then you're going to enjoy uh, a really lengthy career, a long following full of people that 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 might not, uh, you know, I don't know, they might not burn down the forest to come, come and see your show, but they're going to support you album after album, and they're going to continually visit and see what you do. So, you know, I, I think that, I think that there's a a huge misperception out there in terms of what, what success really is. Yeah. And I think that there are artists that really get it. And I think that there are definitely uh, all too many that don't.
0: So it depends on what you want to get out of it. And then
1: absolutely for sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you want, if you want the fast money and the, and the cars and the, you know, all that stuff, if you, if you want that, you can do it. I mean, any band out there tomorrow, I've always said this, if you can create yourself a parachute with your band logo on it and you want to do a base jump off of a rooftop building and land yourself perfectly in the middle of Main Street, believe me, you'll create a name for your band, and you'll be successful overnight. I don't know that it's going to last, because you can't get by on a gimmick, right? You have to have some substance there, and I think that, to me, success would be able to... Uh, you know, would be to be able to look back on that career and go, you know, I put my heart and soul into every moment, regardless of what the results are, just that you could at least say that that's, that's what you did. That's what you accomplished. And, you know, hopefully it's something that you can look back on and be proud of whether or not it ever got got on the radio or not.
0: Yeah, for sure. People can tell. It's the same when you go to a gig, you can tell if someone's into it and, you know, means what they sing and, and is enjoying being there as opposed to you know just having yeah memorized something
1: for sure
0: um so are there any like stories that come to mind of bands or artists that you have seen go from kind of the small venue down the end of the street to much more of a uh, a much wider audience um Mm -hmm. in recent years
1: that have come through like sleeping bag studios specifically or like that have
0: yeah. If there, if there are some, yeah. Or just some that you've followed as a fan or,
1: I mean, there's definitely inarguably, there's definitely a a progression for, for a lot of bands out there. Um, You know, I don't know that I can specifically say that I've seen anybody go and, you know, crack the award shows or anything like that, but I've certainly seen bands develop from, um you know just uh the formation the very kind of seed of an idea to you know now they're out there touring europe and stuff so yeah. you know i think of a band like um west my friend they're they're a fantastic uh, indie folk band i highly recommend checking them out they are fantastic people extraordinary musicians just wonderful wonderful people um and same thing, you know. I've seen their band lineup switch a couple of times. I've seen the growing pains. I've seen that kind of stuff. Um, but I've also seen them take awards home. I've seen them learn to find a way to make the music the priority, and and, and I've seen the benefits of that. Um, you know, to be you know, not to harp on the point too much, but when it comes to what defines success or what what creates success your band's got to be into it you know the the players have to be into it hopefully it's not just the one person out of four yeah in, inter- in in interviews i've i've done this countless times rebecca you should try this if you ever get the chance it's great just take a look at your lineup of four people there you know you got your drummer two guitar players and bass player or whatever look for the palest one and that is the person that is stuck doing all of the web stuff, <laughs> all of the promotion for the band. It's the only guy that never gets to see the sunlight because the other three guys are busy doing whatever it is they do, but the one dude is stuck doing that stuff all day long, right? And I think that bands like West My Friend have really shown me that that when you put in that extra work to to disprove the myth that there's nowhere to play, uh, to disprove the myth that you can't go out there and make it as an indie band. It's, they're truly an inspiring story just to see them do all of what they do now without any management, but they're doing it on their own and they're touring on the other side of the ocean, which is unheard of for tiny little bands around here, you know, and it's just that kind of stuff to me is extremely inspiring. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, you know, there's other bands I can think of that, you know, there's lots of people that are on their, like, fourth or fifth CD or fourth or fifth album by now, and I think that kind of stuff is incredibly cool as well. Yeah. I, I really, uh, it sounds nerdy, but I really dig longevity. I dig it when bands can actually stick it out and, you know, find a way to, to, to be around for a while. Yeah. Because I think that it's, you know, I really don't think it's the easiest thing. I think, uh, you know, a lot of people really do struggle with trying to find a way to, to keep that communication open between different players. I think it's difficult to represent, um, you know, the full needs of, of each player inside a band.
0: To keep that mo- know, motivation so. there and that that yeah, passion, I guess. Sure. And that's quite common then. it's qu- You've got to be quite lucky to find a band, especially if there's three or four of you or more. Um, yeah. where you're e- you're equal you know you're, you're all as invested in it as each other um, Exactly. you often get just one that that's breaks why away I make,
1: that's, that's why I make music with one other guy or by myself that's yeah. the, <laughs> the only options for me I'd love to say that I'm capable of more but I don't know that I am you know I really don't <laughs>
0: Would you say if we get back into kind of promoting yourself as a band and an artist because that's kind of what people come to sleeping bag studios for and, and to Stereo Stickman stick man for um is to try and find people who are going to like their music um what right. what would you say are some of the best tools at the moment online that people can use to to find the, the right audience for their music and to find people that will support them if they're small time you know not a lot of cash to invest in marketing just some of the mm. the best tips that you could give for, for online Uh, promotion I guess
1: well I mean that that is there are so many different avenues that that's kind of part of the issue you know it's part of the the problem as far as I can understand it is that there's so many different small places that people tend to get overwhelmed so the the biggest tip that I have is don't look at it like you have to conquer the world overnight you know it's not a it's not a sprint. It's a marathon, and
2: yeah.
1: and, uh, and I think that every indie band needs to kind of take a step back and and realize that if they were out there realistically looking online for one place like Stereo Stickman or a Sleeping Bag Studios per day, even per day, Rebecca, you know for a fact that they're not doing it. Mm. You know, I'd love to say that they are, but it's rare. Um, you know, and I think that if if people really recognize that there are these places out there all over the world, you know, from, uh, there's Jam Sphere, there's, um, Faulkner Review, there's, I mean, there's tons, there's fantastic places out there. Um, and I, and I really just think that it's a matter of, of taking your time to kind of uh, figure out a strategic way of doing it because you can, every tour that you go on as a band every show that you play you have an opportunity you've probably got some some downtime. so find find that college radio station that's out there find that place that's playing music find that other opening band that you're about to play the show with that night and ask them what's going on in their town yeah. you know if 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 you're out of town there's a lot of different ways that that people can get out there in terms of the social media thing, in terms of the Twitter thing, you know, that kind of stuff, I honestly, I'm mixed on that. You know, I don't know how effective of a tool it is for, for musicians right now. Um, the, the other places, obviously, like Spotify and SoundCloud and Bandcamp, I think what's really important is that people start recognizing that they can't rely on, on the music itself to be what makes them... Uh, financially successful
2: Mm. and
1: in terms of attracting interest or creating that buzz online one of the ways that they can achieve that is uh, use that use that member of the band or find that friend of yours that has that artistic talent bring them in as a as an honorary member of the band or whatever you have to do get them to draw you a logo or create the buzz through something that visually looks stunning yeah you know um if all else fails add a kitten to your video and uh, you're a YouTube star Great you know you yeah. can always do that right
0: so do you do you still think it's important for artists and bands to perform live um, a lot if they want to reach people
1: crucially yeah. I think that's probably the most important thing that that any band can do
0: because you uh, get that that face to face interaction and it's as real
1: yeah right and you know in terms of what we were talking about earlier in, in in the sense of a connection to the song or, or, you know, what makes a song great, you know, you're going to see that in a live band in a heartbeat. You know, I think there's, um, there's, I don't know. I wouldn't say there's ways to fake it in the studio, but there's definitely ways to, uh, manipulate sincerity. Let's say in a studio recording, as opposed to what you're going to see live in the genuine article. Right. Yeah. Um, and in terms of just what people, you know it, again right they're not necessarily going to go out and buy the the CD or the music for 9.99 but they are going to consider going to a show yeah you know i i think that, that you know it does ap- apply somewhat to to music fans specifically and i think even that is something that um y- you know i used to ask uh i used to ask people in kind of group sessions like raise your hand If you were at home on a Thursday night and you were sitting there, you were having dinner, you were watching your favorite show. And when was the last time that that you can remember where you were sitting there and you said, you know what, let's turn the TV off for a second. and Let's go and see a local show. Who's playing tonight? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Who cares? Let's just go and see a show. And I, I kid you not. Even in a room full of musicians, you get like next to no hands raised on a a question like that. And, you know, it kind of almost boggles the mind, right? We're all part of this huge music community. And when it comes right down to it, if it's not your band on stage, I think a lot of musicians are guilty of not getting out there in the scene themselves. Yeah. And I think that that's another really important thing that they can, you know, they got to remember that. They got to keep that in the back of their mind and get out there to other people's shows just as much as their own.
0: Do you think um, the explosion of the internet or social media has made people a bit more introverted then or a little bit more, you know, indoorsy, I guess?
1: Well, I think, yeah, that's that's fair. I know it's done that for me. (laughs) Um, I'm a hermit now, so, I mean, there's that for sure. But I think it's given... I I think it's worked for it and against it. I, I think there's positives and negatives to that situation. I think it's given a lot of people that... Um, I think it's given a lot of people that didn't think they had the opportunity to be musicians uh, the opportunity to do so yeah totally you know these are people that would have hidden in their home with their amazing talent for years. But now sometimes they either a get filmed by their friend and get posted up on YouTube without them even knowing. And all of a sudden they're a star or, you know, they, they just decide to start experimenting with it themselves. But I think a lot of untapped talent has kind of been discovered that way as well. So I'm certainly in favor of it when it comes right down to it. Um, Are bands a little bit guilty of kind of being able to get away with putting out more things online and not getting out there on stage as much? I think that's probably legitimate too. Yeah, for sure.
0: Do you think that um, Indian music communities then kind of like the the sort of thing that we do are getting bigger in that respect because more and more people can just sit at home, put something out and get a few say up to a thousand people listening to it and, and encouraging them about it then
1: absolutely um I had someone ask me just the other day like what what's the what's the positive and the negative of the music scene right now mm. and my my answer was the same for both it's just that there's too much music out there and what a <laughs> What an awesome problem to have yeah, right? For, yeah. for people like you and me. Like that's, that's the greatest thing that I could have ever thought that I'd have to deal with in my entire life. Um, but that's the facts. Every band out there right now is dealing not just with the competition of what else is out there in their genre right now, but we're talking about music from the beginning of time forward. And, uh, you know, it doesn't take a... uh, I'm terrible at math, so I I can tell you for a fact, it doesn't take a math genius to figure out how many bands there theoretically might be in the world times the amount of songs, times the amount of albums to know that you don't have enough time to listen to them all in one lifetime. Yeah. Uh, Certainly not anymore, you know? And I think back in the day when you had to be a little bit more picky and choosy with the CDs and and things that you might buy from the store... um, I don't want to say that it kind of gave you an appreciation for for what you bought, because Lord knows I, I bought too many albums that I probably would never buy again. But, um, you know, it kind of did give you an appreciation for how rare music was. Yeah. And I think, you know, now with the, the doors being as open as they are, It's really tough to get your music heard, even from your good friends. Everybody's busy and everybody's, you know, always got something going on. And that's totally understandable. Yeah, everybody's got their own
0: thing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Again, (laughs) as musicians, we got to recognize that and battle against it, though. And, and, you know, make sure you're giving your buddy the time of day or whatever it takes.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think it's actually... Sorry, go on.
1: I was just going to say, the way we make it is together. We don't do it alone, you know, and and that's you know i think um i see a lot i don't you must have them over there in the uk too like kind of like um what do they call them like talent searches here somewhat they're they're like an indie level talent thing like a spotlight feature where bands will get to go and kind of be judged by one record executive for a potential chance at one contract or somebody to hopefully look at you in a suit and tie and maybe give you the consideration and time of day yeah but it's events it's events like those that I think that that bands and artists out there really lose focus on just how much that kind of stuff can build their community because I mean let's face it most of those things that they're going to go to the odds are stacked against them the you know the odds of them winning are probably slim and none Mm. even if you're super talented. But what you do have, again, is a complete opportunity where you've got, who knows, maybe between one and a 100 bands that are there. And they're all indie bands, and they're all there for the same purpose that your band is for, you know, is is there for. Yeah. And if you're taking the time and you're doing it right, you're out there and you're... Uh, I don't want to call it networking, but I guess that's kind of what it is. It's networking on a musician level. You should be out there talking to every single one of them and trying to figure out how to line up shows and how to get different shows going and figuring out which band, like if it's not your band that, that would play well with them or fit the bill then it's probably your friend's band and connect those two. But again, right, the, the idea is that we all have to do it together. That's the best way the indie scene can, yeah. can you know, thrive. Remove the, the
0: competition element of it and, and, and exactly. bring exactly. everything
1: together. and I think, <laughs> and, you know, being realistic with you, Rebecca, I think that, I think that competition element, you, you nailed it there. I think that it is a factor, and I think that it's natural, Mm. Um, you know, I think everybody wants to be in the best band out there. Otherwise, I'm not sure why they got into it in the first place, you know, like, but I still think there has to be a bigger goal than that.
0: Yeah, you know? but it has to be like to be the best that you can be because you can't, you know, there's so many different ways to be one of the best bands. I mean, how many do we all know that are, that are huge, you know, with people that headline the big For festivals sure. that, that they play on the mainstream radio? And there's, there's tons of those people. Um, yeah. Do you think then, so... For me, I always try to look, listen to music more in terms of, like, I'm one of these people who will get a favourite song and I'll listen to it on repeat and I'll listen to it in the car and I'll just listen to it to death, basically. And I look right. I look for songs like that in, in, in all kinds of different genres. Um, do you think songwriting is a little kind of left behind a little bit whereas people are like oh, i've got to be the the best guitarist and i've got to have the best voice and and it doesn't matter what i'm singing or playing as long as i'm the best at that do you think it gets hmm. left behind a little bit or do you think that i don't know what are your thoughts on that
1: that's a good question you know it's a good question you reminded me right away of a person that i knew once that had an eight hour road trip and and recorded uh believe it or not two princes by the spin doctors and that was the only song on the tape, both <laughs> sides, and and rode with that for eight hours straight. I, I can't even imagine that. <laughs> I've got musical ADD. I, I can listen to like a couple of seconds of a song and move on to the next one. Really? You know, it, yeah. It it gets very strange for me. So, um, I think that. I think that there's kind of some people that are built for songwriting and some that aren't, you right. know, when it comes right down to it. I think that it's definitely a skill that can be developed, and I think that, you know, there's certain certain things that can be tweaked there, but really that connection to music is, you know, it is a hard thing to learn. It is kind of one of those things that's born and in, born inside of you or it's not. I've seen, or sorry, not so much seen, but heard, quite a few artists that have spent time in Nashville. Now, I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you have like something in the fridge next to something else in the fridge and when you go to eat that first snack, it tastes like the other snack in the fridge. All right, I know what you mean. That That is what Nashville music is like to me, and, <laughs> and and I'm not just picking on the country genre, I'm picking on the songwriting itself. Yeah. I think once people go down there, I think once you've been exposed to that particular area, it's something I can hear in, in the way that you write a song. Yeah. And I think that it's things like that, I think songwriting factories like that are something that can... Um, that's that's something that we need to be aware of as artists because it's a great thing to go down there and again it just depends on your definition of success they'll teach you to write a great song um but will they teach you to be you will they let you be you will they leave the part of you that that made you make music in the first place and i think that that kind of generalization that homogenization of of talent is a really dangerous thing um it it threatens individual creativity and i think that's something that has to be looked out for at all times and and protected like it's an endangered species yeah um you know so that that to me is what i'd kind of encourage people to to do is to look inward rather than outward when it comes to songwriting um that's really interesting everybody might yeah everybody might need kind of a helping hand in terms of how to structure a song or something like that but you can get that from your favorite artists and bands that you listen to on your own yeah um you know if you want somebody to teach you to, to play a great guitar chord great awesome that that's cool i think you know those kinds of things are going to help you along the way as tools as long as they're not affecting um as long as they don't influence you to the point where you lose yourself as an artist. So sure. as far as the other people go, those people that, uh, that you were talking about where they're like the virtuosos, the, the people that are out there that have spent their absolute life dedicated to every single moment on the guitar and stuff, man, I wish I could be one of those people, Rebecca, don't you? I mean, <laughs> come on. Some of those people I look at, you know, I had a friend, um, I still have a friend. He's a great guy. His name is Brad. He's in a band called Eterna. They're, um, what do you call it? Well, they're pretty extreme. They call themselves Brutal Power Metal. Um, it doesn't sound inviting, but it's actually pretty damn good. <laughs> cool. um, and this is a guy that, you know, I bet you if you asked him to pick up a bass guitar, he'd probably flip you the bird and tell you, nope you know like he's a guitar player through and through he's not right. going to touch the drum set he's not going to touch the bass guitar was what he was meant to play yeah and you know i i can't even i can't even explain this guy i mean when it comes to the technical proficiency that he has i've wa- I asked him once to help us out on a song we wanted to make an instrumental song out there and, and kind of put it out there for people to help us finish That was a contest we were running, so I asked brad to to play a guitar part over a guitar- uh, a drum beat basically and, and we were going to leave it without bass so that people could do a bass part or add a vocal part or something like that. yeah, Brad went in there went into the studio and he recorded this thing one time he came out and he looked at me and his face was all frowning and he's like i don't like it i want to do it again and we said okay no problem right rebecca note for note on a wave file right down to the very finite second this guy played the exact same thing like it was like it was a carbon copy and he had never even played it before that moment. It was just something that he made up, kind of sat there for five minutes, said, "Okay, I'm going to let this rip, let's do it." did it once, did it again, perfectly. same thing. He wasn't happy with it, did it a third time, but more or less the exact same results nice. and It's just to me it's amazing to see somebody that that really understands that one instrument it's kind of one of those you're either the jack of all trades or master of yeah
0: yeah he's putting his ten thousand hours kind of thing to be able, yeah
1: exactly exactly right and i think you know i don't know what the right answer is on that one because like i i think you know i would love to be both i, no, I wish that i could i, I mean, wish that i, I could dedicate mean, yeah. I myself rare. to one thing but i can't you know like i just don't have that kind of attention span i need i need more than one thing that way for sure
0: No, that's where where the distinction comes in, though, because there aren't too many people that are just fantastic at both, and that's where you get amazing live shows and you get amazing songs that, you know, that you can find in films and things and that just accompany your life quite
1: well. Those people that kind of even take it a level beyond that, like, they are definitely great, you know, individual masters of their instruments, but... Those people that are just so adept that they can walk up to any instrument that's on stage and feel confident enough to play it, um, those people blow my mind. Yeah. It's, they're amazing. Definitely. You know, they're amazing. You know, I've got a, a fair amount. Ima- I wouldn't say that I play anything well. I can write a decent song. I can play a decent song. But I'm not any kind of uh, master of anything when it comes to instrumentation. But to see some of these people that can, just mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. mm
0: so do you? Are you a guitarist? You said you're mostly a singer. Can you play guitar?
1: Yeah. Um, well, that's not as easy of a question as it should be. <laughs> um, you know, like uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't really consider my, I, I consider myself you, just a musician. Do you pick you know, up a guitar
0: really? uh, during the week and yeah, have, have a dabble? Like
1: in it? Uh, I, I do that. You know, I couldn't. Um, same thing. I couldn't play. I don't think, well, we as a band, we just covered, I think, for the first time in 18 years, we covered, I think, about 10 songs. <clears throat> and that was, we've never tried to play anybody else's songs. We've never done anything like that before, which is usually a lot of where people start, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and for us, we, just because we had no idea what we were doing or any training to do it, when we started our band, we never had that opportunity. So kind of, I guess, that's one of the progressions that we've had as a band is that we've been able to get to a point where we can experiment with some covers and not feel bad about about touching somebody else's song at this point, I guess.
0: It's almost expected now, isn't it, with YouTube and stuff? That's kind it of It is.
1: And, you know, again, right, I caution people against that too because I think it's a great way to get your name out there. There's no doubt in my mind that you could go out there and put somebody... Um, <clears throat> you know whether it's a pop star or a rock band you can pick up on a popular song and you can ride that wave real quick you can, you can get yourself out there and, and notice just by doing a cover
2: yeah.
1: but if you're not putting yourself in there if you're not somehow identifiably putting your own sound or spin onto that cover then really you're kind of doing the musical equivalent of treading water in my opinion you know, I think that you really have to uh, be careful about that. I think covers are, I have a lot of respect for covers when it comes right down to it. And Rebecca, I'm, I'm from that, that era where studio time cost so much money that when it came down to a cover song, you had the option to pick like two in your entire life, <laughs> you know, because it was going to be so expensive to record. Yeah. And now it's like you get the option to do it every time you want to fire up your iPhone. Yeah, which I yeah. think is you know it's a really beneficial thing. But again, do you want to be known? It it's like kind of it's kind of like the house band in bars, right? You got to be a little bit careful that you don't become the house band of YouTube.
0: Yeah, unless that's what you want to do, and you're not a songwriter right. at all. <coughs> yeah,
1: totally right. Yeah, like and don't get me wrong. For those people, I got, I got nothing but love for that. If that's what they want to do, then I think that's a great thing. Um, that's I think. I think people really do, fundamentally, though, even those people, I think that they have a kind of like a level of creativity that maybe they just have a more difficult time tapping into, but I think that you can see that the want and the desire to entertain on that kind of level is certainly there. Um, yeah. So a lot of the times, even even the ones that are out there doing a lot of covers as a regular mainstay of what they do, sometimes you look at the songs that they're covering and the choices that they make. And you can kind of see that potential from, from far away, you know, like if they were to write their own song, then you kind of have an idea of, of how that might come out. Yeah. You know, it can give you some pretty good clues as to who has that potential. And I think the world's lacking a a few people out there that are kind of hunting those people down. I think that we kind of rely on talent shows and, and that kind of stuff to, to spotlight that talent or viral videos to make that happen but mm. you know there's got to be i like to think there's more people out there like you and me that uh, are actively looking for people that that uh, you know are trying to to get themselves out there that way yeah
0: and maybe doing something a little bit
1: different yeah
0: yeah um do you think it's better for people to put out new music constantly if they are trying to raise their audience or to write a lot but hold back and just release the things that they think are the absolute best
1: i think it's important to put yourself out there on a regular basis but not club people over the head with it right i think that's a an inevitable trap that that i've certainly heard uh, a lot of artists get themselves into you know we can only ask people to come out to our shows so many times before you know it's the sixth show man and I've seen your band so many times at this point, right? So it becomes yeah. difficult to kind of to get people um, to stick with it. Um, sorry, I drifted from the question. No, no, I it's can... fine.
0: Yeah, I was thinking more of in terms of like, say you've written, I don't know, 10 songs in a month. You know, that's quite a lot to put right. out.
2: <clears throat> yeah, um, sorry.
0: And people I, are going to stop I, pressing play at, at some point, even if it's really good, you know, just because they've got busy lives right. and stuff. Right.
1: Yeah, I think it is one of those things where you run the danger of becoming an ad for yourself, right? And even if it's offering some something like new music, I think that it still kind of comes down to how you go about putting it out there that, that's going to make that difference, whether or not you're putting it out there without the the bells and whistles and you're just making it a post on your social media that people may or may not click. Maybe that's a humble way to go about it that works. You know, I, I think that, again, art kind of speaks for itself on that level. So I think that those kind of things really do get noticed, you know, by the right people eventually, but yeah, it's, uh, I don't think it's wrong to do either, uh, you know, really. I think that, I think there's definitely a benefit to a full album, but I don't think that a lot of people make a full album. I, what would you say to that, Rebecca? Do you think you know you know what i'm saying there's a full album is a rare thing, is it not
0: you mean hold on and and, and create a bigger project
1: and i mean like a a full album where you listen to song one to song twelve and you I know, know what they, you mean yeah you know it's, it didn't but need, it's or,
0: it's something that I do a lot and that you do a lot because we review albums, you know right. so you do sit and listen to every detail, and I love doing that. Um, and I still do it in the car. To be honest, I love putting in a CD and listening to, yeah. to a, a, an entire album. But I don't know too many people who aren't me who do, <laughs> who do right, that um, right. anymore. People. You, do, you, 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 you make a spotlight, you know, a Spotify playlist, and you listen to right, it. Right, that's yeah. what I was
1: gonna say. You, you mean more playlist kind yeah. of thing? Yeah, it, exactly. It is. It's a playlist mentality out there for sure. Yeah. And I, I'm, you know, I'm pretty, I'm guilty of that too. I've been making mixtapes ever since I knew how. Yeah. Um, you know, mix CDs, same thing. All, all of those things are great things, but I think there's definitely something to be said for the album. I just don't think that it's really something that people really fully achieve a lot of times you know no. even, even if that is their full intention even if they think that all the songs belong there in a set I think that um it can often be a very elusive goal it's a good goal and I think that it's uh something that people should definitely try to do but I think that it's it's more rare than people think
0: it's hard to do though is it? it's hard to either maintain someone's attention for that long when it's the same kind of voice and the same you know concept I guess Hundred um, percent.
1: or it can be converse too right like if it's if it's too scattered or too you know in that sense it just feels like a, a collection of singles that, way to you know, way to eclectic yeah yeah in that case you may as well have put them out one one a month and promoted yourself that way too yeah right? like you said
0: do you yeah. go to a lot of gigs yourself
1: I used to, you know, and I, I don't want that to, I don't want that to get out there like I'm getting old. I know you guys can see the gray in my beard, but that's, uh, you know, it's uh it it has everything to do with moving from uh, Vancouver-ish area to over here in the east, and um, I gotta say, you know, I don't want to knock my fellow Ottawa Tonians or whatever it is that we're called over here, but comparatively there's a huge difference in the music scene it's just night and day yeah and you know it's really bizarre i'm not gonna lie rebecca i'm living in the nation's capital the capital of canada and i'm not saying it's a drought here but it's close really you know like vancouver is really well known for its music scene I, i'm not sure if it's well known there in the uk but here in canada it's definitely known as one of the the two music hot spots. I used to joke around with the people in Toronto, because t- Toronto, if you're, if you're to look at a lot of uh, bands that are touring through their North American tour, it'll include a whole bunch of stops in the United States and one stop in Canada, and that's usually in Toronto, so I yeah. used to bug people over there. That's Canada. Uh, if they didn't go to Toronto, they probably made it over to Vancouver. It was usually kind of like the, the other stop that you might make. Oh, okay tons of great venues tons of great things um and even on the outskirts of the the main city there's a lot of kind of mini areas like little cities like Burnaby or Coquitlam that have um live venues that are just constantly doing something yeah and I think that you know again i'm a hermit, so I'm not going to completely claim that there's nothing happening here in Ottawa because I know that there is. I can hear the music every once in a while, but there is a noticeable difference in terms of how many um kind of areas there truly are so <clears throat> Ontario itself is a huge place it's a massive province, and Toronto is about a six hour drive no four to six hour drive away from where i'm at so the difference for me was that where i used to live relative to vancouver was that no matter how late your show went i could still drive home mm. you know the furthest i lived away from the main city was probably about an hour at the worst uh, at some point in my life so you know e- even if you kept me up until two o'clock in the morning i didn't mind driving home yeah. it was all good you know but <clears throat> the idea of going out to A show now that's gonna finish at like one o'clock at night. I can't, you know, I can't do the drive home to to make it here by like five thirty or six o'clock in the morning. For me now, Toronto, the the closest music city and arguably the biggest one, it's still an overnighter trip. Yeah. So all of a sudden, you know, I added it up. For, I think, the first indie band that I knew that had come from Vancouver, they're called Lungflower, they came all the way over to the east. They were the first ones to do that uh, after I moved. And then legitimately, as, as much as I love these people, they're great friends, um, once you do the math <laughs> on on going to see an indie band over in Toronto... That amount of time out of the day, the, both ways, kind of thing. The cost of the show, the cost of a hotel. All of a sudden, I'm thinking, wow, it's actually closer to about 150 to 200 for me to see my favorite indie bands now. Blow Never me. mind the mainstream stuff. Yeah. So it's you know. It's no, that's a, fair, it's a bit and, of, fair. enough. Yeah.
0: Why? Well, how come you moved?
1: Yeah. Um, I actually moved for. That, that one's pretty easy. I moved from my wife. Uh, her name's also Rebecca. Oh, um, um, great name. Yeah, she's, she's a sweetheart, and she has been in my corner for every step of the way, really. So, you know, Sleeping Bag Studios was always designed with the intention to be portable. It wasn't supposed to ever yeah. be rooted to one particular space. It was hopefully going to come along to a particular area, infect it with music mercilessly, and we'd move on to the next kind of thing, right? Just to give you the freedom, and, yeah, to yeah, take it. so, you know, that was that was the basis of kind of keeping a lot of it uh, online as well. And, you know, when it came down to it, I, I assumed that that creating that kind of freedom, correct me if I'm wrong here, I assumed creating that kind of freedom would have led somebody to the choice to pick somewhere tropical or, like, with beaches (laughs) and sand and nice water, but... Now apparently, my wife decided to take us over here into the frozen snow, of which I've still got about two to three feet of outside right now. Honestly. Yeah, and I would uh, give anything
0: to have two or three feet of snow. We don't see any snow here.
1: Oh, don't get me wrong. I love (laughs) it, and it's beautiful. But this started. This madness started in like November. So, I mean, at this point, even a hermit, I'm desperate to get outside, you know, like it's just, it's been snow chaos here. But truthfully, truthfully, it's a beautiful province. Yeah. Um, We moved out here just because basically she, she has allowed me to really kind of pursue my dreams and and my goals with Sleeping Bag Studios and and do what I love. And uh, there is no possible way to thank somebody for that, but the idea that that the studio was portable and she had an opportunity out here in the East to, to do better in her own job. Yeah. There was just no way that I could say no to that. And yeah. Even though, I felt, even though I felt like, you know, I'd certainly built up a reputation in Vancouver and a, and, a you know, the location itself was nice, loved my house, everything about it was great. But to even have the opportunity to repay about, a tenth of that favor in life you know if this was her goals if this was her dreams if she wanted to go and see what she could do in, in terms of her own work she's a chocolatier or she's a manager really wow area manager whatever you want to call it she's a big wig now but you know um, she does a fantastic job and she's really uh the best part about it Rebecca bar none is that she came out here and she she actually did it yeah. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like she came out here and then kind of danced around it or didn't find her way. She came out here and crushed it. Yeah. She got herself promoted, she kept moving up. She's she's doing all the right things and and again, the I just just to be able to to watch that happen has been just as rewarding as pretty much anything I've done at Sleeping Bag, you know, just to to be able to to just pick up and move. Do you find I that inspiring
0: fit for, for what you're doing as well that it kind of Absolutely,
1: eggs you on for sure for sure I mean she's she's my support system in every possible way so you know it's uh if she's if she's happy if she's succeeding then I'm doing the same and, and it's kind of just the, always the way it's been she doesn't uh have a clue about anything when it comes to music that's a fact but uh i love her she's great yeah (laughs) she is she's fantastic she would tell you that too uh but yeah she's very much um jack johnson and people that wear sandals right that would be that would be her music and very nice hey you know, again, we all like what we like. She she likes about three songs that I've written out of that 600 I was telling you
0: about. Oh, she's honest with you about it then?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Probably too much so, really, yeah, yeah. But I use her as my litmus test, believe it or not, because, you know, I think that, again, as reviewers, we can get inside our heads, you know, almost too much. Sometimes yeah. when we're being critical of a record or... Sometimes even just that second perspective sometimes can make things just really snap into focus for us. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I always tell bands, like, if you want to know what a hit song is, really just run it by this fine lady right here. If my wife gives you the nod of approval, I'm telling you, you've got a legitimate song. I can tell you that there's a song that I like and I can tell you the reasons that I like it all day long. But when it comes to the the appeal of what people love to hear in music what appeals to the masses oh she's like just she's a radar for that stuff yeah i don't know why she doesn't do music stuff because she gets it you know
0: yeah it's crazy Cool. So what apart from writing music reviews then are you are there other things that you want to move into over the next couple of years like other ventures you want to bring into Sleep Mag Studios?
1: Definitely. Um <clears throat> and thank you for asking that. Uh You're welcome. I I, I there is uh, behind the scenes I'm doing a lot of writing. Um and that's not something I've ever Put out there before, so you're the first to know that. But really, that's um, kind of where I'd like to to take to take it all next. A- and it's some of it's musically related, some of it's just straight fiction, some of it's almost non-fiction. A lot of it is just kind of writing about my life in a different way, I guess, rather than than um, well, writing about other people's music, kind of thing. It's more about the. I guess, the full experience of what, what's got me doing what I'm doing today. That's what I'm writing right now. You mean like right. an autobiography yeah.
0: or like a day-by-day <laughs> journal?
1: Kind of, yeah. its a, I would say a good mix between the two of those things. Right. Really. Um, you know, and, and I definitely I think that what I've learned is definitely that um, writing daily, <clears throat> I'm sure you've noticed this too, uh, it sure makes it easy. You know, and again, I think that applies to probably all of your passions. Anybody that does something on a daily basis or gets there in there creatively, the more you put yourself in it, the more you get out of it, the faster it comes to you. Just keep doing Um, it. Yeah, so, you know, really I've found that for myself personally and what I feel like I can offer the world, the best thing I've been able to, to do is is string some great words together. Uh, they're not even my words. I didn't come up with them, but I know how to put together a decent sentence. Um,
0: so you're writing with uh, an, an audience in mind already.
1: Um, no, I, ch- you know, that would be a- another thing that I try not to. I've actually had that debate with, with, um, my wife quite a few times, just talking about how to approach writing this, um, that autobiography, if you will, that, that, and how to do that, you know, like do you use the names of people that you knew when, I mean, I'm not a famous person by any stretch, you know? So I almost look at it as a, as a, what's the harm kind of situation. Nobody knows those people, mm. um, you know, they are people that would have, would have been part of my childhood. Their their they're memories of mine. Does that mean I'm entitled to them? Can I put them out there? It's kind of, been a neat adventure that way in in that sense but I think that um, for me a lot of of what's key is really just making sure that I'm almost not considering that audience in a way and just making sure that I'm sticking to what's important in the art itself and just um, again making sure that I'm happy with the results.
0: So telling the truth above everything. Yeah and
1: it's not like I've got any kind of massive truth bomb to reveal or anything like that you know no it's no not, it's just uh, just
0: it's your story
1: yeah it's just uh, yeah I wanted to put it out there as as honestly as I can and and you know I feel like in a lot of spots that certainly doesn't paint me as the good guy of my own history a lot of the time mm. you know it's uh but I think that that's important I think it's important to recognize those moments of the journey just as much so that you you kind of really get a sense of what it is that that does make a person at their core right?
0: yeah Do you think it's important to read a lot as well as a writer or just to write and write and write and write?
1: Love that question too. Um, (laughs) I think, you know, there's different versions of me that would have responded to that differently. I think um, probably about a decade ago, I would have told you, you don't need to read a thing. Right. And and I think now, um, now I'm usually in the middle of about four books at a time, you know. Like fictional books. Both, really, right? Yeah, I, I read some like I'm. I don't know if. Well, I'll put it to you this way: Do you consider Fire and Fury fiction or nonfiction? Right. A lot of people, it's hard to say, right? It could be either, um, but I, you know, I like to think it's nonfiction. I, I think I think that's real, so you know, um, I, I'm looking at it that way. I read a lot of things like that, but I also read a lot of. Um, like Henry Rollin- Rollins writes a lot of uh, columns. Um, yeah. Or he used to for the, for I think, LA Weekly or LA Times or something like that. Oh, okay. So I like to read a lot of non fictional kind of stuff like that too, but I like to read a lot of just normal stories. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I tend to find um, myself repeating certain. I don't know, certain vocabulary points in a lot of my articles. So I'm like, yes. right, I need to go and read something weird now, so I'll go and read something that I would not read normally. Totally, right. Yeah, just to get a different perspective.
1: And then you get to that word that you haven't used in forever or like ten years or you totally forgot it existed and you see it in print and you're like, Yes Yeah, like I can
2: use that in the
1: next <laughs> article I write. And and I totally understand that. Like, believe me, I hear you on every level. There. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um awesome so you um do you ever struggle with motivation or like staying positive when you're writing yeah and how
1: for ha, sure.
0: how do you uh how do you overcome that
1: i think you know uh, they say do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life right that, yeah. that's what they say i don't think that that's true and i think that that's okay you know i think that i think that you should work hard at what what you love You know, I think that I wrote a song called um, Your Art Will Kill You. And it was a way for me to express that I think it should, you know, or it should try. You know, it should have its hands around your throat being the thing that almost puts you in the grave. uh, Because I think it's important to go after what you love or what you're passionate about with everything that you got. And I think that... Especially as indie artists uh, or c- creators of any kind, if you really do want to put yourself out there, if you're sleeping eight hours a night, you're not going to win that war. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I-, I wish that was the case, but I went through, I think, the first, uh, first two years at least, Rebecca, I would say if I got, if I got five hours of sleep in a night, that would have been a miracle. You know, like for a good two years straight, that was probably about three and four hour nights of sleep, just trying to get everything set up as best I could so that it would continue on doing what it does today. And I think that that kind of level of dedication is exactly what's needed. Um, and you so see, you've proven
0: that. that it pays off for yourself?
1: I have for myself in that sense for sure because, you know, I'm at the point now where this allows me to to work from home yeah you know it allows me to uh, lounge around in my pajamas all day long I don't have to dress up in a suit and tie but I can still feel happy about what I'm doing on a creative level yeah so I think uh, I'm very fortunate that that's the case I I know that that's not uh, ideal and, and you know for everybody and it's certainly in terms of your question about motivation it can be extremely tough to to motivate yourself. I'm sure, you know, yeah. you've probably experienced that yourself. It's tough to always be the champion in your corner. The key to getting around that, if, if from what I would understand, I think you got to have a good support network or you got to have again those kind of measurements of success that allow you to kind of feel good about what it is you're doing. So, yeah. you know, whether it's for yourself, somebody that you reviewed, um, for the site, and they come back at you and go, Rebecca, this is the greatest thing anybody's ever said about my band, thank you, that's going to lift you up, and that's going to kind of keep you going, right?
0: Yeah, totally.
1: Um, I love that kind of stuff. That's what I get out of bed for. I live for those comments. I don't I don't write for those comments, but I certainly love it when they happen, you know? Yeah. Um, and to be truthful, a lot of that is just because I don't get a lot of that from anywhere else, you know? I don't... Uh, When it comes to friends and family, I think that my experience has been very similar to the bands and artists that I've worked with. I think think all people that make things on a creative and artistic level really want to share them with the rest of the world. And the most important people that they're going to share them with are the people that they're closest to. And as much as we'd love all those people to have all the time in the world to do it, they're still human beings and they still don't. You know, so I think that that can often be the toughest thing. And if you end up feeling isolated like that, um, it gets tougher and tougher to motivate yourself. So, you know, there's, um, I know uh, you were going to ask me about mistakes. I might be jumping ahead here, but (laughs) one of the mistakes I feel like I made um, in, in, this whole thing was just that I kind of let passion destroy a lot of what could have been, you know, I I got myself kind of too amped up and too invested and too, you can only sleep three hours a night, you know, and all of a sudden it kind of became wrong to sleep eight hours a night if you were a part of this project or whatever. And I pushed some people away. There's no doubt in my mind that I pushed some great people away. You mean you put too much pressure Um, on it? For sure, you know, and it wasn't even so much that I was actively cracking the whip on anybody else. It was just a more of, I'm going to put myself into the dirt and lead by example. Yeah. And it kind of became one of those things where it was like, if that's what it takes to keep up to you, man, I don't want to do it, you know, kind of thing. And and you know what? I I totally get it. On one level, I get it. And on a whole other level, I don't get it at all. Because, again, I felt like that was exactly what was required to be able to to keep this thing moving in the right direction so that it would become a long-term thing. And I think, again, if you don't kind of really put yourself into it, if you don't give it that chance, if you don't give it your everything and know that you gave it your everything, I think that you risk having a shorter-term project banned creation whatever it is that you're doing i think it's got a shorter lifespan
0: yeah it's not an easy thing to balance is it and they they have people have always said it's lonely at the top and that's exactly the reason because you you do have to put yourself into it entirely and you're often the only one doing that
1: yeah well it separates you learn so many things right especially if you're involving friends or family that kind of stuff you really do learn who's kind of gonna be there for you year after year and who's maybe not. Yeah. And would you, you know, I th- I think again, right, It's a hard lesson to learn, but I think it's just one of those things you have to recognize everybody's got their own interests. Would, what, what, I would love it for for everybody to be interested in music, but that's just not the case.
0: No. Um would you what would you say um to keep in mind then cuz I think with any like anything that you take on whether it's creative or it's just some new business or thing that you're putting yourself into, the first 2 years at least are usually quite difficult, you know, whether, right. whether it's income and just not happening or, um, you're not getting a response or whatever, what, what would, did you keep in mind for that initial, when you weren't getting much sleep and you were putting all these things into action, what did you have at the back of your mind when you were finding it difficult?
1: I think that's where in those first two years, I'd probably go against my own advice and say that you do have to be your own champion. Right. You know, I think that if you don't believe it, it's certainly not going to happen. Uh, um you know and in that first two years you're right uh things things end up no matter how good they start things will get to a point where it will rock so hard yeah where you'll wonder whether or not you've made that right decision and again if you don't have that network of people around you that are um kind, kind of uh what would i say confirming that you've made that right decision then i think that it it you get a lot of self doubt in the process, right? And that um, that can really it can affect your art. It can affect your business. It can affect all kinds of different things. It can affect your health. Um, you know, so it's one of those things you really have to to watch out for, I suppose.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Um, I've gone in a. Did I answer that? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> definitely. I've just I've gone in a sort of squiggly order through my vague my very vague notes and uh
1: i always colored outside the lines yeah yeah. That, that, that's right where i'm at
0: um we'll probably like just come towards closing it up then i guess if that's all right yeah. with you um what do you like do you have any big sort of snippets of advice you can give to people that i guess our audience is going to be people that make music and that are creative and and they don't necessarily want to be like I don't know the foo fighters, but they want to be able to have a life that is centered around the things they make
1: right um I mean advice is to really um you know to be mindful of of what other people think, with the exception of just don't let it taint your art you know, right. I think that I think that we do all kind of worry about how many likes we get, how many people are tagging whatever uh, and I think that that can really ultimately you know have you focusing on the wrong things yeah you know I think that uh, again you know when it comes to numbers or or anything like that I don't really put a lot of stock in them I don't worry about them they don't keep me up at night I could you know if one person visits my site or a hundred people visit my site it's you know obviously i'd prefer the hundred you know but at the same time it's one of those kind of things you just have to recognize there's an ebb and flow to that yeah and and it really just has to be about you know the art itself and and if you uh if you put yourself into it that's where the most rewards are always going to be you know i I don't think there's anything that could ever convince me that an artist or a band out there doesn't really want to share their stuff as much as they they can to as many people as they can and i think that's a wonderful thing but i think at the end of the day a large part of them is is writing or recording that song as well to make sure that they're um getting something out of themselves you know again it, sure. pe- people write for all different reasons but it's definitely an expression yeah. of some sort right so i think that uh, you know it's important that that they stay as true to that that feeling as they can and and try and dig at it and find a way to to get it out of themselves and get it on a record because if you can figure that out that is what connects and it's um it, it it's rare but i think it's something that potentially everybody might have that inside them somewhere some of us just might dig harder for it
0: yeah that's interesting
1: you know yeah
0: amazing thank
1: you yeah you know like try and imagine the the accountant the next time you see him whoever it is yeah it's just somebody that looks like they're so far removed from music like totally Mm. and just wonder like you know is it just that you've never somehow tapped into that one thing that that would make sense you know,
0: kind of like if you were maybe you might have been born to be a snowboarder, but you were born in Jamaica and there wasn't any right. snow. Yeah,
1: <laughs> totally. Absolutely. Kind of, Absolutely. Yeah. I think um, I like to think there's subtle clues. I'll give you a couple of mine. Um, <laughs> sleeping bag studios. When I was in high school, I was not exactly the uh, what you would call the, the greatest kid. <laughs> I wasn't a bad kid by any stretch but I was uh considered by many of my teachers to be an accidental genius of some sort and genius was probably in quotations but if I had any brains at all it was just because I got lucky um mm. you know I happened to be interested in the subject it wasn't because I I cracked the books or I worked really hard music was the only thing that ever really interested me
2: right
1: um so when it came to school i had a real tough time especially when it came to to high school to the point where well i felt like my locker would be better served by storing a sleeping bag and a pillow inside of it to nap in between classes or during my free block do you actually do that i did that you know and that is what 15 years before sleeping bag studios even exists but the signs of the universe (laughs) were already there now here's another one for you believe it or not um i just spent i think my summer of this is going back quite a ways this is going back to like grade seven i think i started my summer uh by going to a creative writing class one that my dad put me in You know, great, all the other kids are out there running around for summer. I'm the guy that gets to be stuck indoors (laughs) and do creative writing with a whole bunch of people that I've never even been to school with before because this is summer school. We're all getting jammed into a weird class situation. It's bizarre. But you know what? It's the most rewarding experience I've had as a writer to that point in my life, and I'm super, I'm stoked. Like, I'm coming back to grade 8, and I'm going to have some knowledge. I'm going to have an ability, a skill. And I'm so excited. And I get to my uh, social studies class, or they called it humanities at the time. It was social studies and English combined over two hours. Yeah. And I kid you not, I walked into the class, I sat down. Uh, My teacher's name was Mr. Springer. I'll never forget him. He's crazy. Uh, But basically, he looked around the class after we all sat down, and he... Looks at one kid, and he's like, "Uh, you, greasy, and uh, you, grungy, pointing at me, and you over there, I don't even know what your deal is, but you're going, and you, wharf with the eyebrows, like Star Trek Next Generation guy. It was a different time then. You could call kids a lot of weird things. (laughs) And so he says, get out into the hallway. And I mean, I've been in his class for like two minutes. I have no idea what's going on. And it ends up being that what he wants us to do is, there's a, a like a test program, a, a student program, a student-led idea from the University of British Columbia. They had a student teacher come through who was apparently gonna teach us how to write. After I just spent my entire summer volunteering to write, I was now being put and immediately assessed because I I looked like a a dime store version of Kurt Cobain at the time. So I got immediately assessed just on a physical level that I must need some extra help. (laughs) And so (laughs) I was put, I was put in this uh, class for half of that, that two hour block, I would go and spend and believe it or not, the only thing that we did was compare and contrast essays that was it, so comparing one thing to another and writing about it what over I mean? and over and over again, and what do I do now again it's kind of it's kind of weird you know i I like to think there's obviously a lot of things about music that that don't make it such a bland equation where it feels like the same thing over and over and over again, but kinda you know it kind of still is, and it's yeah. kind of weird how. How life can kind of set you up for things like that, even if you you don't realize that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Even the way even the way that uh, that I joined Cludge, Cludge uh, magazine, the online magazine that I started with, was the same kind of circumstances. I found a random uh, random CD from one of uh, one of your boys over there in the UK, actually, electronic artist Aphex Twin. Ah, nice. Um, it was just a random sampler CD. It was five songs, it was for the Druck Hughes album, it was just laying on a bar stool, probably like 12.30 at night in Seattle, a city I wasn't even from. And I just looked around like, is this anybody's, Who's is this? And there's nobody even there. And you could see that there was about three or four more of them just kind of scattered around the bar. I didn't even have any idea who Aphex Twin was at that time. We put that CD on as we crossed the border and came back to Canada, and by the time I got home, I was convinced that I needed to know everything about Aphex Twin, and I came, I I went online right away, checked it out, found a couple of interviews. I don't know if you've ever checked it out, but if you have the time, do it. No, yeah. Uh, because his interviews are absolutely wild. Like, really? I mean, no,
0: I never have. I, I yeah. I oh. never-
1: he, he basically just refuses to answer questions in any kind of legitimate way so a lot of his answers are like all consonants and four numbers and that's supposed to be a word kind of thing like really it's just absolute madness yeah and it got to the point where i went down the rabbit hole so far that i found this one interview that he had done with a magazine called Cludge magazine and i instantly i was like I reached out to the editor right away. His name was Arturo. And I said, how did you get an interview with this guy? And secondly, how can I do what you're doing? You know, and I think that that's one of the most important things that that people forget is that we are pretty much all a click and a heartbeat away from each other at this point. Yeah. You know, just like, you know, I like to think a lot of the reasons that, that we're even talking today was, you know, partially based on a tweet that, I sent way back when. Yeah. You know, just saying, "Hey Rebecca, I see you out there and I know you're doing an awesome job and I just want to say thank you for doing what you're doing." Yeah. You know, and I think that for artists, for bands, for for people that want to look for that next level up or or that that ally in what they're doing, you know, sometimes it's just as as simple as just reaching out and saying hi. Um, yeah you even mentioned success stories earlier there's a band named Aztec that I can think of which is one of my favorite stories uh Aztec is from Victoria uh BC over there on the island and you know they really look up to a band called All Get Out and i honestly i don't i don't know All Get Out but what i do know is that Aztec knows All Get Out you know that's a band that they really look up to And when it came time for them to make their music and go out there and find a producer, they just reached out to the lead singer and said, Hey, man, I really like your band and I love what you guys do. Is there any way that you would, would you ever consider, like, could you produce my record? (laughs) And all of a sudden that door gets opened. And all of a sudden that's what's happening. and you know what what better compliment you know
0: yeah there's That's i think cool. there's there's a certain knack to that because i i guess i'm quite introverted and i find it used to find it hard to ask things but the more you ask you know you will get some no's occasionally and at first that makes it quite hard you're like oh i'm not asking anybody else because that person yeah. said no but you know the more you ask the more you're going to find the nice people that you do connect with and then you just kind For of sure. back and forth and from there
1: you definitely get that 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 kind of you know, it's trial by fire sometimes. Yeah. You know, you end up getting shot down, I think quite a quite a bit as an as an artist. And I think that uh yeah, you're right. You just kinda gotta soldier through it and just keep on battling because on the other side of that is is creative freedom. Yeah. And, and you know. Yeah. What, what could be a better thing than that?
0: Absolutely, and it gets to the point that you're just, like, you're just immune to anything negative because there's so much positive going on elsewhere, and most people totally, aren't. Totally, right? Nice. You <laughs> know I'd,
1: I'd love to see, I, I would, I, maybe your experience is different. I don't think it is. I bet you it's close. What would you say, Rebecca? I think 96%, I would say, of the, the indie artists and bands out there, maybe even more, positive experiences. Absolutely, you know, like, yeah. It, it, to me, it's phenomenal. Uh, I think there's nowhere out there in the world that's going to run it, that high of a percentage of just positive, good experiences. No, by all and means. That's I... one of the things that's just absolutely mind-blowing to me and something I'm just... How can you not be appreciative of that when you're in it every day?
0: You know? I, I wouldn't have been able to do it for this long, I don't think, and I wouldn't want to do it much longer if it wasn't the case. Totally. Yeah.
1: How long have you been doing it, if you don't mind my asking? I'm not supposed no, to be no. interviewing you right <laughs> now, but I, um, I'm kind of curious
0: it's just over two years it was about november 2016 i think right, right. uh fif- yeah 15 it would have been yeah just over two years everybody
1: knows you guys already stereo but. stick man's huge
0: <laughs> i don't know and, about you know. that but um i well, I, when i first started it we were living in a van so i kind of just spent my entire time trying to Build the audience up and and trying to just freelance and connect with people and stuff to make it. Right, I guess right. I guess it got big bigger than I expected quite quickly, which is awesome.
1: Um, yeah, but, no kidding.
0: But even so, in that time, I've encountered very few people who aren't nice. And even when they're not, it's just that they're not particularly nice. They're not rude or anything. You know, I've not had anyone be rude so far. Such word, so
1: yeah, I've never had anybody threaten me or anything weird like that. I've never gotten into. A weird interview altercation that I can think of in that sense yeah uh, you know there was a point um, actually the funniest one of those things that I can think of was when I did start getting back into interviewing and uh, doing them live and in person and in the studio again I got super ambitious one day and I was like I, I did a couple in the month before I'm gonna schedule three for one day. No problem. I just gotta space it out right, you know? Like as long as I got time to charge my batteries and everything and drain the memory cards, everything'll be good. Yeah. Should be fine. So I end up interviewing uh well, I, I won't I won't name these guys <laughs> because <laughs> basically they came in and they were high. Like <laughs> I've seen high, I've been around musicians all 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 my life. So. I, I know what it looks like and I'm fine with it. But it's still another thing entirely when you're trying to interview somebody and you've got to pull their eyesight down to your level again, right, so that they, they can take that question. Yeah. So my first interview was actually quite – it was supposed to be about hour and a half block kind of thing. It was about going to be that, that much time. And um, I think I had about another hour in between me and the next one it was, who was a guy in a project called This Thing. And, uh, so about halfway through this first interview that I'm in, my wife comes in and she lets me know that this thing is already here. And I think to myself right away, I'm like, what? Like, how did I let time get away from me so quickly? Like, I felt like I've only been talking to these guys for 20 minutes. You're telling me it's been like two hours? What have I done? And I'm like beside myself and so you know like thankfully that band had other places to be that day anyway so i i kicked them out of the studio realized that i've actually only interviewed them for 24 minutes you know i wanted to interview them for 90 totally lost track of time within 24 minutes this other guy shows up and he's like an hour and a half early so i end up with this Richard from this thing is an interesting cat. I'll put it to you that way. He's a very, very interesting cat. He's a. He he. Speaking of cat, he hauled out a pink electric, uh, hello, hello kitty, guitar. <laughs> yeah. the, the, and I was just like, and, and you know, you'll you'll appreciate this because you've probably had this moment before too, where you you see a, an opportunity like that as an interviewer, and wh- what's the first thing you think? You see a. a a full grown adult man with stubble on his face pull out a electric pink hello kitty guitar i'm not saying that it's not possible i'm just saying there's got to be a story behind that right uh. you know so i'm thinking that's got to be a great question how'd you get that guitar oh, i found it at a pawn shop uh okay all right so moving on right and I mean it was a tough interview to get through to the point where I'm not even kidding you by the time it was done Rebecca I was like I don't know if this is really what I want to (laughs) do you know I might have screwed up if you know I might have screwed up because I don't know if I'm any good at this it wasn't so much Richard it was on me I was trying to figure out if I could could really get back into it yeah The funny thing was, was that by the time it was over, we we had Richard as an interview and we had him perform as well. And then by the time it was, you know, I I was plugging in cards and, and getting my batteries ready for my final interview of the day. And I turned around to say goodbye to Richard and he was gone. I still don't. I'm convinced he's still living at the studio, like (laughs) underneath the stairs or something like we I ran out to the street because he came by bus. He didn't drive. That's why he was so early that day, was because he actually took the bus from Vancouver about an hour and a half away. Right. And then by the time he left, I looked up and down the street and he wasn't even there anymore. There was no physical explanation as to where Richard actually went. So I'm convinced he's still there living at Sleeping Bag Studios. Are they
0: still a band then?
1: This thing is an interesting project. I don't think, you know, I honestly can't uh, speak one way or the other to that. I don't know for a fact that it isn't, but I can tell you for a fact that Richard is the kind of guy that will find a way to make music for the rest of his life. So, you know, that's, uh, at the time when I met this thing, I was told it was a band of seven. Mm. I got one in the studio. I got Richard. Right, So. It seemed to be about um, as much of a band as it was, kind of like a big giant hippie commune of people that may or may not make music every once in a while. And when they do, sometimes they play it together and yeah. they're called this thing. It was weird. Very nice. <laughs> not going to lie. It was weird. <laughs> the third band that night, though, if I can just take one more second of your time, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, was what really saved it. Um, you know, Because again, I'm drained at this point This is now my third interview of the day I have fired up um, a song on the internet That I have just realized that Oh my god, I should probably just tell my wife To, to maybe go out with a friend for the night Because she's about to hate this And hate me for bringing this band into the studio uh, They're called The Pit and the song I was watching was called, I Want to Plant Bombs Everywhere. And it's phenomenal, Rebecca. If you ever have a chance, go and Google that up. Go and look at it. The Pit. I Want to Plant Bombs Everywhere. Amazing band. And, uh, you know, right away, it's kind of got like that uh, Queens of the Stone Age kind of real riffage kind of rock. You okay. Know, he's a, and it's two brothers. And, and at the time, there was a bass player as well. Um, but two twin brothers. And those guys came in and basically changed everything. They, 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 they took me from a point where I questioned whether or not I was doing the right thing or if I was heading in the right direction to the point where I knew that I was. Yeah. And the reason why was because, again, I was able to look at that band and go, okay, wait a minute, you, Tyler, guy in the middle. You're looking a little bit pale, man. Like, explain to me what's going on and how come... Why aren't you getting any sunlight, brother? What, these two guys are looking healthy here. What's wrong? You know, and it's like, yeah, you know, I'm out there. I'm I'm trying to promote the band. I'm trying to book the shows. I'm trying to do the artwork. I'm trying to this. I'm trying to that. And realizing just how, how much was being actually asked of an independent musician these days or an independent band in terms of the things that aren't related to their music. You know, and it's not that, um, you know, something like the artwork or something like that, maybe that's something that they want to consider to be part of their music, and that's totally legit. I think that's, that's wonderful. But, you know, when it comes to, like, the marketing or the promotion or the spreading the word or the drawing people to the shows, the printing of tickets, the dealing with the merch... A lot of these guys first of all have no interest in doing it yeah and second of all they have no idea how yeah so i mean watching these three guys who quickly became pretty much the nicest people i've still met to this very day so scary looking so homeless looking <laughs> uh, so so bearded and uh just amazing rock stars, like, I'm not even kidding, Trevor, the, the lead singer, I've seen him walk out in front of the shows that he's about to go and play, and people, like, offer him, like, half a cigarette, or, like, hey, man, like, Aww. you know, do you need a sandwich or something like that? <laughs> it's like, he's about to go and rock the he's whole the place, and, and <laughs> but people just assume he's, like, the homeless guy shuffling his feet out front. It's, you know, uh, it's just amazing, you know, but they they ended up being so sincere and so genuine and so nice and so out of left field, that it it absolutely changed the course of the entire direction. Do you, you think know,
0: you, if, you do you think you had changed your approach by that point, having done the other two? Were you a bit more tentative, or?
1: <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, that's a completely good question. I think at that point, I was honestly I was exhausted and worn out. Right. And, and you know, I think I definitely bit off too much or sorry more than I could chew at that point um by trying to take on three three would have been fine if if the schedule had flowed the way that it yeah. was supposed yeah, to but yeah. because I was so rattled and I was worried about you know did I transfer the files off that memory card or did I just delete them now like I'm trying to switch everything and change everything and get it set up as quickly as I could. That. I was in mad panic mode at that point. So, you know, if anything, it was probably just kind of like a free for all. You know, like I'm just going to let this one go and, uh, you know, hope for the best kind of thing. And it's like you,
0: you, po- you cared less at that point. So,
1: you know, I think that's actually fair to say. You Do you know? think that's at a that positive
0: point, thing then when it comes to like.
1: I think it became a positive thing. You know, yeah. I think, you, you know, for me, that was a moment for sure where I was personally. Uh, you know, I needed that that experience um, to lift me back up. And if yeah. I didn't find it there somehow in that third act, that could have changed everything, mm. you know, but somehow these three hairy dudes come into the studio and everything changed because it was such a positive interaction for for something that really just didn't seem like it was necessarily going to go that way from the impression you might get from the aggression and the intensity and the music of a song called, I want to plant bombs everywhere. Like it doesn't sound like they're going to bring you flowers or wine when they come and see you, you know what I mean? Um, and then somehow they're just the most genuine people so sincere about making it as musicians. So amazingly talented and they're struggling and it, and i'm listening to this song i'm listening to this single and i'm going if queens of the stone age are this famous why are you this famous yeah. you know it doesn't add up the the quality and the consistency and the caliber of the music is completely comparable so how how do we overcome that disparity is what i'm I guess working every day to kind of try and figure out or try to battle against yeah. so, much like you are.
0: No, I think about that a lot. Cause I think maybe, I don't know, 30 years ago, it, it was, that there were a certain amount of famous people, I guess, famous music- musicians, musicians sure. in each genre. And they were like, they were, all the interviews were with those people and all the features were about those people. So you get in your head, this idea of what it is and that, you know, they're just the special ones that are chosen and, now yeah. there are a lot more people trying and like you said, people realising that they do have these talents in there and these passions and stuff and
1: Yeah. But it's I just mean becomes... how many how many artists and bands have you found that you know for a fact you'd way rather listen to those guys than absolutely. some of the people that you know are making millions right yeah, now? Yeah, absolutely. And it's to me that I don't know what the answer is any better than anybody else when it comes to how to fix that. But Does it, it's definitely something that exists.
0: I sometimes wonder, though, if it makes it more special because I think sometimes the, the bigger names write songs to sell songs. Um, oh, yeah. You know, they write them formulaically, and whereas the smaller ones who just don't give a shit, they're just write because they have to write. You know, they have to get it out. And that those, to me, are the really interesting songs. I'm like, oh, this is like reading your diary. You know, it's really... Uh, quite a special thing to listen to. So
1: I don't know. Here's the best example I can give you of that. And this this is an exclusive for you, Rebecca, because I like <laughs> you. Because Stereo Stickman deserves to have some dirt on me. Ah, thank um, you. Yeah. There was a time. <sighs> I think I can say this. There was a time <laughs> where Nickelback was a good band. Yeah. That's right. I said it. I, I've put it out there for the world to hear it, but it is a fact. You see, that is the thing. I, like I said, I came from Vancouver. Yeah. And when you're talking about a band that, that can absolutely get destroyed by fame and fortune, yeah. that is the one. I used to go and see Nickelback at <clears throat> you know, uh, Commodore Ballroom or, or different places around Vancouver for in the neighborhood of 15 to 20 bucks probably couldn't see them for less than 80 to 100 now i guess i have no idea i wouldn't even look into it now but back in the day before they even had their first record out they were playing shows around vancouver where you couldn't travel an inch on the dance floor in front of the stage without trampling over 50 broken beer bottles from people just having the most insane time of their life and just going I want another beer where does this bottle go here's good smash and away we go and the chaos and the fun and the the scene itself yeah was a really big time for Canada at that point we had uh, Nickelback and Matthew Goodband and I'm Earth and Moist and, and the Our Lady Peace the list just goes on and on of all of these amazing Canadian bands that were really killing it at this time and then it just all happened out of nowhere i don't know what happened to that guy i don't know what happened to the music i what i presume happened is exactly like what you're saying he figured out the formula yeah. And in fact there's there's things i'm sure you've probably seen them on the internet too where they compare two Nickelback songs side <laughs> by side and here's where the verse changes here's where the chorus changes and it is all of the same things I think it's horrendous you know personally <laughs> but you know I, like I said I would never listen to it now I still like the first record I do I honestly it's called curb and, and I think there's still some good songs on that but so, do, you, uh, do uh, the,
0: have you got anything of theirs from when they were just a local band that were doing big did, did you did they give out CDs or anything like way back when
1: no you know it was that was the thing they went from pretty much obscure to massive in, in our city like almost overnight it it seemed overnight for us for sure there had been some of us that had been out there seeing concerts where they were the opening band plenty of times throughout throughout the that year of build-up but i used to have a job where i was driving parts from one city to the heart of vancouver and uh, i would make a point of driving as fast as i could so that i had time to go and and well, you know, just fuck off at work. And I I would go to uh, a store called A&B Sound that was just all music and all CDs. And I remember going in there for about, it was about three months straight of, of Solid Fridays going into this store and, and finding a new representative in A&B Sound and going, hey, do you guys have that Nickelback CD? And having three months' worth of time where somebody would look back at me and go, Never heard of them. What? (laughs) Like, you guys are playing this awesome song on the radio all the time. It's called Fly. You don't have the CD yet? No, apparently they don't even have a CD yet. So it was like, by the time that first disc came out, and by the time that they uh, put out The State afterwards... It seemed like there was just absolutely zero time in between, and what was once special and, and and actually good and completely killer live, they were amazing. Yeah. They were great. The, those broken bottles were all pure out of out of enthusiasm. Like you couldn't <laughs> keep the crowd away from these guys. And then just all chaos, you know. Aww. All of a sudden, somehow this band just became so plastic and so uh, methodical and so so much the antithesis of pretty much everything that i think is special about music when it comes right down to it yeah
0: i wonder you if know? he's not surely though when you first start out you write songs that mean something i wonder if he's not creatively satisfied then by the formulaic stuff but it yeah, but he's very very, very, very rich so he, does, so he doesn't really care
1: well again right go you know unfortunately i think there is some proof to to that, you know, I think that he's kind of said that, you know, uh, on the record a couple of times that he doesn't care anymore and that he is that rich and famous at this point. But I mean, a- again, right, it is all about, like we were talking about earlier, how you define success. And I think, yeah. you know, if a band like that feels that they're successful, I don't know how. I don't care how many records they've sold. They They went from something that was legitimate, something that had life in its veins, something that generally connected with the crowd and and you could feel it in the energy of the audience and they could see it from the stage and you could feel it from them in return yeah and to watch that get destroyed over time how can you call that success mm. you know what i mean like yeah i, I hope the yeah, mansion totally. is warm you know <laughs> but at the same time like Soul how how is do you sleep cold. at night? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally, right? How do you sleep at night? What have you done to us? Oh,
0: dear.
1: I'm, p- I'm picking on poor Nickelback too much. You know? They deserve it. But, Everybody uh,
0: picks on Nickelback. It's fine. They <laughs> do.
1: They do. It's an easy target. It's an easy target. <laughs> really nice to chat
0: with you finally after Likewise. seeing your work and uh i think we've got a lot be... of things in common that we do so
1: yeah i was gonna say don't be a stranger rebecca no, if there's no. anything i can do to help you know uh i don't i'm not gonna profess to know what all of the struggles of stereo stick man might be but you know like i do mean what i say when i say we're all in this together and if there is anything i can do to help you in your journey I sincerely do extend that thank you whatever whatever it is I can do and that I'm capable of however I can contribute you know if there's um, I mean we'll figure it out we'll just keep talking yeah no definitely that's my advice but even if it's as simple as you know like I said I've read your work I've seen what you do and I know that first of all you write a great article and I can see that you care it's no different than when I listen to music for a really short amount of time sometimes I scan through all my new stuff really quickly just to hear a certain amount of something that I'm looking for mm-hmm. uh, it's a a, sincere, a sincerity a connection a real passion that I think you can always hear and identify really quickly I see that in what you do and uh, I think you know again it's tough to to stay motivated and we gotta we gotta find those ways to To remember that we're not there's so many people out there we could be competition but we're not you know what I mean We're we're on that same side of the fence so um, you know if it's a I'm happy to support you in what ways I can so if that's putting a link up on my site saying hey go and visit stereo stick men next I'm willing to do that kind of stuff because again I think you're the right kind of person to work with if you take a good look at the sleeping bag studio site you're not gonna find a lot of people out there. Uh, you're, yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that, that. You know, because it's uh, it's just not really something that I, I think there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah. When it comes to our side of things. And, yeah. And I think that, uh, I mean, I know, <laughs> I know what it's like over here. It's not, you can't listen to things all day long. I would love to, you know, but even even if I love to still need a break every once in a while, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And it's tough, tough to, to get that break in music sometimes, but you, you need it just like everything else so that you can appreciate it when you come back to it. Yeah. Um, that's just kind of how it goes. But... Awesome. All right, well, thank you, you so much. have a fantastic night, Rebecca, and contact me anytime you need, okay? Enjoy
0: thank your you. weekend. I will do. All right, you do the same. See you Bye. soon. Bye.